Watching, I rewatched you guys' video that uh, I watched it a few times um, that you had sent me that time. And, and do you know what I'm talking about, Jeff? Yep, that black the thing from uh, yeah, from uh, from Black Love. And you know, I'm probably gonna play it at some point, but I do want to ask first um, for for just where you guys came from because Jeff, you are Caribbean, yes. right? Yep. And Jennifer, you are from Dallas. Mm -hmm. So Oak Cliff. Yeah, so, to be exact. Yeah. That's my hood. Yeah. To be exact. So I but call me um, first go generation. ahead. I think that's what that's what I am. So both of my parents were born and raised in Jamaica. Moved to the States in the sixties by, you know, a series of moves. They ended up going from New York to Michigan to California. I was born and raised in California. Um, but I always say I was raised a Jamaican in Southern California. Everybody around us was Jamaican. All of the values of the household were Jamaican. The dentist was Jamaican. The doctor was Jamaican. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jamaican who grew up, born and raised in California. When you when you come up like that, um, you know, I don't know. Do, what do you call yourself? Do you call yourself Black, African American? Does that even apply? Because that that is an ongoing. It's a constant yeah. debate. Yeah. So, I. Pe well, actually, I don't, she can say how she feels about it. I always say I don't like being called African-American because to me, it's limiting to me because we're all, we are all African-American, but you're leaving out a huge part of who I am when you say African-American because you leave out the fact that I'm Jamaican-American. Um, now, all Jamaicans are of Afro descent, but that's such a part of who I am. It bothers me. I'd rather people just call me black. Um, so, you know, I, I, I play this game of I introduce myself as black. I use the word black a lot in, in public settings. I don't I, I you you're hard to find me to say African-American because it's it's, a, it's for one for me, it's a mouthful, but it's a lot to, for me to say. And I just I don't identify that way as much as I ident identify as a Jamaican-American, a, a Jamaican-African-American or a Jamaican for that matter. But um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my where I'm at. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So I just kind of want to know um, for you, kind of that same, almost that same question I had with Jeff from going home to going to school. When you had to go in there, what type of, you know, mask were you having to wear? Are you not wearing them at all or just showing up as Oak Cliff Jennifer at the, at the white private school? Yeah, I think by the time I got to high school, I was very showing up authentically me. Um, I found where I was comfortable socially, like with the other black girls and had a few non-black friends as well. But I really insulated myself as much as possible with like the teachers that I identified with. And they weren't all black, but I found my, my comfort. And then I just wrecked shop kind of everywhere else. Like I just was very much, you know, outspoken and pointing out the hypocrisy and the racism, you know, pretty early on um, once I got there. So, yeah, it was, and it, it you know, I used to, um, before I had my own car, like junior year or maybe senior year of high school, I would ride the Boys and Girls Club bus from Oak Cliff where we would, all of the kids that were going to school on the north side where my high school was, there were like three high schools over there that were recruiting black kids from Oak Cliff. 
so I got to um, ride on a carpool bus or van every day for three years with different black kids that were coming from Oak Cliff going to different schools on the other side of town. And it was a mind F, if I can really be honest, because we were driving past completely ignored, underfunded, intentionally ignored, intentionally underfunded neighborhoods and schools and watching like the socioeconomic landscape transform. So where like you we go the darkness of the morning and drive from the absolute hood where we were all called home and just watch you know these mansions slowly get bigger and bigger and bigger and sprawling estates and you know these kids waking up five minutes before they got to be at school we have been up like an hour and a half two hours you know eating lunch eating breakfast in the cafeteria with the boarding students at my high school because we were up so early it was like you could have ate breakfast but you were going to be hungry by the time it was breakfast time for the boarding students at on campus because you had taken so long to pick up other kids and get to school. So it was, you know, it was a big, um, it was, it, it informs a lot of what I want for my own children and what I would never want for my children. You know, like I, I have gone out of my way to make sure they never have to wake up insanely early to take part in the educational experience. Cause it, you know, you're tired, you're tired. And it's so young to be tired before the day even starts. So, the makings of you. Yeah. Like, um, you're going to like the private school, like after being, I know you said your elementary school, like kind of nurtured you into going in to the rest of your life and the rest of your school days. But is that what made you specifically want to go to Howard, like to get back, like that nurturing feeling? Yeah. It was like, yeah, you know, Howard was a healing choice. Um, I went and visited my number one choice school was Stanford. I always thought California had, in high school, I thought California had to be of the states in the union, like the most liberal. And by the time I was done in high school, I was over the politics of the South, like completely over the Southern hospitality fakeness um, because that masks so much racism, yeah. so much hostility, and it was like toxic to me. So I applied to Stanford. Uh, that was my number one choice because, again, I thought I could like really kick down a lot of doors if I went to Stanford. Ivy League. We were, you know, that high school was very much um, pushing Ivy League schools mm -hmm. because of their, you know, their their funding, their endowment, like the more kids go to Ivy League schools, right. better, so they push that. So I, you know, I thought Stanford would be like the best Ivy League school for me. So I applied there, that was my number one. And then I, um, Howard, and I got waitlisted at Stanford and was like, well, and then I got a full ride to Howard and was like, went and visited and it felt like, I remember walking on that campus and thinking, oh, this is what the girls at my high school feel like, you know, I. This is what they must feel like when you are in a space that's cultivated to nurture and love everything that you love and you know empower everything about you and other people are just like an add-on like side afterthought type thing i was like this is why everything they show up to is exciting for them they're like oh yay you know world history class ah, it's gonna be about me you know like music history class is about me you know I'll, it, but that was howard 
And every class was centered around an experience that I could understand. Even the like doctors at the hospital, so black, you know, and the, you know, like the nurses in the, the, the student's health center. And I mean, everywhere you looked, it was black mm-hmm. people just like showing up for other black people. And it just like spoke to my spirit in such a way. I was like, oh, this is why they love that school so much. Like, I get it. I get it. I can't even be mad at them because I love Howard for the same reasons they love their high school. Yeah. So, so Jeff, let me ask you, man, how does a Jamaican guy from California get to Chocolate City? Oh, man, it was. So this was the part of me that was American. Um, I grew up on the Cosby show. I, I think we're allowed to say that. Still. <laughs> I grew up on, yeah, um, man. Yeah, a different, I grew up a different on world. Yeah. So I was in love with a different world. And my mom and I one night were watching back when they used to do UNCF Evening of the Stars with Lou Rawls. Mm-hmm. I used to love mm-hmm. watching it every year. I look forward to watching it. And they were flashing the names of the universities. And I saw Howard. And I was like, I didn't know Howard was a black school. My mom was like, yeah, that's the show on the that you like to watch. That's the, that's the school from a different world. I was like, my, that's, she truly thought it was Howard. So like, <laughs> Howard. I was like, oh, I was like, where is it? She's like, Washington, D.C. You know, your cousin went there and like this other cousin went there. I was like, really? So that at that moment, I was probably in eighth or ninth grade, probably eighth grade. I started researching it. And as I got to ninth grade, um, my cousin was graduating. He had just graduated high school and went to Princeton. And I was like, he was the first person who left home and went to school. And I was like, wait, we can leave and go. Like, we don't all have to go to the Cal State that my dad teaches at. We can actually leave. So at that point, it was just born in me, like, oh, I'm leaving for school. And I'm going to Hillman because I want to be with all these black people. But to me, Hillman was Howard. Um, And at that point, I started researching it. And the more I read about it, the more I learned about, like, legacy and everyone who had gone. Um, I'm sorry. It's all good. I mean, it's real. That's where it was. I started reading about, you know, the legacy and everyone who had gone and then finding out that like family members who I respected were some were alums, some were currently still there. Um, I was like, Oh no, it's no, no chance of it. I'm going. Uh, but I had to fight to get there. My, my, so my dad was at the time when I was a junior senior in high school, my dad was the chairman of the accounting department at Cal state San Bernardino, which right, right up the street mm-hmm. where I grew up. So his whole thing was, look, your old, your two, you two older siblings went here. They went for free. They don't have any debt. They got a great education. You want to do business? I'm the chair of the department. Like, this is where you're going. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to Howard. I'm sorry, but I'm going to Howard. And he kept you. He tried everything in the book until I got to the point where I was like, look, Dad, if you don't let me go to Howard, I, um, I'm going to community college. And. Right around that time, my brother was going through some different things that he didn't, my parents didn't want me to get wrapped up with. And he was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to pay for the first year. I'm going to take out the loans. You can go. I, mm. I didn't get any scholarships. Um, he said, if you can go this first year, I can pay for it, but you have to get scholarships if you want to stay. So, and the rest was history. I mean, I went, I put my head down that first year and came home with a 4.0 and never paid tuition again. But, um, but it was definitely, 
there was a lot of people in my parents' ear saying, don't let him go, don't let him go to Howard. Um, so I grew up not only Jamaican, but Seventh-day Adventist, which is very a very, very strict, conservative religion. Um, mm-hmm. Christian, very, very conservative, very strict. Well, there's an HBCU in Alabama called Oakwood. It's, and it's affiliated, it's, it's run by the church. So all the people we would go to church with were like, don't let him go to Howard. It's a horrible school. Send him to Oakwood if he's going to go away. And I'm like, I'm not mm. going to Oakwood. I don't identify with, I'm not doing that. I, I knew the people from my church who went. It's like, I don't, I don't want to be like them. I'm not going. Um, I just stayed on Howard and it, and it worked out. Lo and behold, I show up to Howard and I didn't know I'd run into so many Jamaicans and Trinidadians yeah. and Africans. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what it would actually be like once I got there. Right. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, as far as, and this might be tough to answer, I don't know. Decisions made in your life. Can you rank the decision to go to Howard? Uh, as far as choices and decisions you've made in your life thus far? I tell people consistently it is one of, if not the best decision I made at any, at, at, for my life. I mean, for me, that comes from finding my wife and my career. Like, you know, I, I always say I think I would have done fine had I gone to a Cal State school. I would have found my way. But the access Howard gave me, I mean, I went straight to Merrill Lynch. I went straight to a super high-paying, almost six figures my first year out of undergrad, um, straight out of Howard, sitting with, like, Jamie Dimon, CEO of Jamie, J.P. Morgan, like, literally sitting at the table having lunch with him. Um, straight out of Howard. Room with Stan O'Neill, the former CEO of Merrill Lynch. All I credit all that to the access Howard gave me. No, you? Top, top decision. I mean... The friendships, again, my wife. I always say I wouldn't have the family I have had it not been for Howard. I wouldn't I wouldn't be the man I am today had it not been for that affirmation of my identity that I was able to get. That's important. That's important. I'll stick a pin in that too. Jennifer, what do you you, you agree or other choices you made? Okay. Yeah, absolutely agree. Like, you know, I um discovered my love for research at Howard. Um, you know, started doing research on Howard's campus, got access to internships um, through the programs that came through Howard's campus in the um, College of Arts and Sciences. So for me, it again, same, you know, I discovered what ended up being my pathway to where I am today because of Howard in every way, you know, romantically, educationally, everything. So... It was absolutely an easy, brilliant decision. I'm so proud that I did that, yeah. Um, thinking about Howard, how long were each of you on campus before you discovered each other? I was a freshman. I, I... Oh, Jeff went for them young meats. <laughs> <laughs> well... In in theory, although we're only a month apart in age, but yeah, in theory, we, yes. oh okay, month yes, apart yes. in age, but grade. So I started her. Oh. I started kindergarten at four. So I, it's I was okay. Young. Yeah. If Jennifer was held back. You don't gotta hide that, man. You <laughs> held back, Jennifer. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> September fourteenth. So, right. okay. Yeah. So okay. I was like, you know, older in my 
class. But yeah, we uh, I was a freshman. We met in like October. End of October. Hey. Right around freshman. homecoming. Yeah. yeah. It was, but we didn't meet but on campus. She had campus. a boyfriend. Oh, I, I did. You had a boyfriend at the time. We just we just met. You, yeah, yes, I've heard this story. <laughs> I've heard this story, and you um, were very very well, persistent. I had, whole, I had a whole year, so so your school year, and then a few months before we met. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. We, but but I, I know you you'll get to a lot of this I'm sure. But what was nice is I had that first year. She had her first few months. But that her your full first year, we were really friends. Yeah. We were good friends. Um, we met a few months into your time there, but it wasn't. We didn't start dating until the dating. summer was, after my freshman year. Courting, I guess, in my view. No, oh. Yeah. oh we won't go there. God. You. When you think back, but whatever, we'll get to all that. So I asked that, and, you know, Tay, follow me up when I'm done with this question, but I asked that to say you had already had a full year of Howard under your belt, and you had had a week or two under your belt. (laughs) And I'm just wondering, because that Howard shaped so much of who you are, Mm. um, like, how much, how much of the like how how you came into the relationship? I guess I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. um, how much of that was shaped by your time spent on that campus? You had just gotten there, but you know Jeff had been there a year. It was huge, actually. I credit I credit um, our time not as a couple to our success as a couple because. I did have a boyfriend and he was a hot mess, you know, and where was he? Was he on campus too? He was on campus too. He was yeah. Scandalous. Go ahead. (laughs) It's a whole, but, but, um, we met off campus. We met on the, on a bus driving to Florida. Yes. So I was, you know, I didn't know anybody really on the bus. And so, that's how we became friends because he was like, oh, you by yourself, like, you know, you can kick it with me and my friends, basically. And so I've, you know, had a little friend group because of Jeff being so nice and like welcoming me in, uh, sharing liquor and whatnot. So that, you know. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It was genuine. It was genuine. And then when we, when, after the trip, you know, I really... He was such a fun friend. Like he reminded me of my friends from high school and all that stuff. I think <laughs> that I that we stayed in touch. You know, we were back on campus. It was like a long weekend trip to Florida, and a lot of things you know happened that weekend. And so we would just see each other on campus and be like cracking up, kicking it. A lot of jokes. A lot of jokes from the trip. Yeah. But it's like you, you say like, he's just a friend. But you what say he's exactly? just a friend. That's what that's exactly, that's yeah. exactly what my boyfriend said. He he at towards the end of my freshman year we broke up. He actually broke up with me. Uh only only guy that ever broke up with me, which was hilarious <laughs> because he said, you know, you talk about this guy Jeff so much. Jeff opens doors. Jeff 
Jeff is a gentleman. Jeff does this, Jeff does that. Maybe you should date that dude, Jeff. And I was like, I don't, I don't ever talk about him. He's like, you talk about him all the time. I was like, that's very weird. I didn't, I didn't know. And yeah, then we started dating hmm. the summer after. I mean, it wasn't that cut not two. That concrete, not it that. wasn't that yeah. at one step two. It was some a little bit in between, actually, but a lot in between. But we did start dating after that. Take. And and I, the reason I say that it those that time apart made our time together so successful is because when we did decide we were gonna stop just being like really close friends and and like actually take it to a romantic place, we kind of were like, if we're gonna risk this really amazing friendship that we have we got to do it right like we don't want to like throw away like a seriously quality friendship um and mess it up so we had this long conversation about how we would communicate with one another i'm talking 19 years old and because of like past relationship my past relationship it was like here's what we're not going to do here's what we are going to do like we came to agreements about what our relationship would mean, how we would disagree. Like things that 19 year olds don't really think about that we, that were like, you know, deal breakers in the past. We talked about it and we had agreements of what, what would be our limit, like what we not gonna tolerate. And we always stayed true to that. We always stayed true to that. And it was like a foundation of how we communicated. Arguments only went, but so far, you know, um, disrespect or like whatever was like not there you know it was a level of maturity and like responsibility about what we're we kind of were like we're building something together mm-hmm. and if we're going to build it we got to build it right and so we set a really solid foundation yeah Jay? Um, so like when y'all were in were because at howard now i think the ratio is like either four to one or five to one so like that was about the, about the same. Like, uh, all I know is it always. Yeah, because it was always <laughs> bad. Like, I would say, like, since y'all have like a really good friendship, I think me personally, like, my friendship is really with like my girlfriends that because I lived in Quad, so like being in Quad, like that just was like those are my friends. Like, we I still talk to them literally every day. They just text me like two seconds ago. Like, those are, like, my concrete friends. And, like, I don't think... It's not that, like, we don't have a lot of, like, guy friends, but I know that there's still a lot of, like, oh, like, some people would be like, oh, I just want to be his friend and stuff like that. So, like, if y'all have, like... Do you think that maybe your boyfriend was seeing, like, the ratio, like, seeing how, like, different people acted so, like, he knew how to reflect on that? You think it was, like something like that or because i know there people do have guy friends on campus like obviously but like sometimes that's what makes it lead to more definitely like they can see it so was that like pretty obvious like maybe not to you but like do you think after when you look back you're like oh yeah like that was probably what happened just trying to get into yeah the, like the other I don't think so because um, after we started dating this summer, he came back, wrote me this long letter, apologized, tried to start dating again. And I was like, eh, actually, I took your advice. 
And <laughs> yeah. that dude Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Dated that dude Jeff. And he was like, that's the meanest thing anybody's ever said. And I was like, I was like, you had brilliant insight. Like he's wonderful. He's he's absolutely great. So thanks. Um, so I don't think so because he tried to circle back. Um, I think he, I don't know. I think I think it was more. Maybe our ratio wasn't as like off as y'all's. Because I want to say it was like three to one. I, I think it was. Home. I mean, it was similar. But I think I think you're hitting a a valid point, though, Taylor. Like. A lot of my friends, their mindset was, and some of them it still is, like grown men still have this mindset of, why settle down with one girl yes, when I can have all that's of them? definitely like, it. So many. For sure. And that was definitely the mindset. A lot of friends would tell me towards senior year, like, oh, Jeff, you're smart. Uh, you didn't do like us, and now we're seniors trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. We don't want to leave without having someone to, like we feel like we're building toward a marriage or something with, but we just kind of hold around our whole time here and didn't really commit to anybody. Um, and those, I think yeah. of those guys, one, one's married, the other two are not still, you know, one was married, but he had no business getting married when he did. Um, but yeah. you know, that's, that is definitely a mindset among many of the guys there. And I know it's gotten, I know that that dynamic has probably gotten worse just knowing yeah. culture, how culture has yeah. shifted from, the value, the value systems we had versus I, I think we're a 20, 20, 19 to 21 year olds yeah. now. You know, I don't know where that mindset comes from. I really would. Honestly. Because it's like, I said, say, I would Tay? love to know. Like, I really would. Because, like, it's definitely, like, if, like, I think because especially, like, there's so many girls that, like, you might not cross paths with they're like oh like if i mess with this one girl from like this separate like like he does a whole separate thing like different major different this and then they like mess with another girl like there's definitely a lot of ways to keep all the girls that you talk to separate i feel because like there's no like crossover like maybe if they see you like in the cafe or something like that with like some of your other friends like and you're just in the cafe at the same time i feel like there's really not any way to get caught up unless you just did like you just were like not caring or something like that but i think like definitely there is like i'm not gonna say like i don't completely trust everybody but i know like for sure like like the like if i'm like maybe like if i talk to somebody i'm probably not gonna be the only one because like the ratio is so big there's so many people on campus like there's probably like a low chance of running into like other people that they might talk to and stuff like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that ratio in comparison to the world sounds kind of like you got better chances on those campuses than you do on the streets. Um, at least, I mean, cause I don't know where that mindset comes from, but I, I do know that it is um, sometimes just, I think passed down um, and, and, uh, some, some bit, I don't like to generalize, but there's a lot of toxic masculine traits that young, especially young black men pick up. Like I, I can remember very few things that my father ever said to me. He wasn't really present, but one of the things I remember him saying was that it was 10 to one and he's on the lookout because some dudes out there with three of his, cause he only got seven. 
And I remember that. And it took another grown man in my life to be like, you know what the cool thing is? The cool thing is to just have the one woman who provides everything that you need and who is down for you. And like, I had to be told that that is not something that you um, pick up organically. You know, if you don't see it, you know, you know, like, I, and I'm not, I don't know. Like I said, Jeff grew up with his, both his parents there. I, I didn't grow up like that. So I didn't see that. So, and who knows how many kids on that campus that you're on right now have actually seen it. I'm not making excuses for them, but um, just to answer your question, was where does it come from? But I believe that if a woman's best bet, um, and this is just from a male perspective, so y'all can check me if you feel like I'm out of pocket. I think a woman's best bet is to continue to show up as her most authentic self. Don't wear masks and alter yourself in order to try to uh, catch and please other men because then you're just going to attract what you don't want. Because even me. And I think it's the same thing for men. From the minute I met her, I knew it was something different. I told my best friend at the time, I said, I'm going to marry her. Like, I'm going to marry okay, her. Okay, that's, that's my question. So you knew from, from, from that. Yeah. You're doing your thing. It was like, she doesn't want you. Like, it's yeah. not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you'll see. Just watch. But yeah. I didn't, I wasn't pushing for it at that time because I enjoyed right. what we had. I enjoyed the friendship. Right. Right. But I would do, like, little things like. I knew we would find out accidentally, oh, we have this class. My class lets out when she's coming into this building. So I would make sure I linger a little long to make sure I stay long enough for her to come walking up okay, the hill. Okay, okay. Or I would take a certain route. Organized stalking. I'm with it. Exactly. exactly. All right. That's why I did this because I'm like, okay. in actuality, like. That's my question. That's my question. Basically, you knew. You yeah. saw her. You knew. You knew how you felt. You just. And it was kind of waiting because it was like, I'm not okay. going to go and interrupt this relationship like she was she would call me and say oh he's doing this and then i'd be like well give him a chance like you know like it maybe he doesn't mean it that way i was never like i'm gonna swoop in here because to me any any like you're you're getting to know me well you're mm -hmm. getting to know me better but like i am if i say i'm gonna do something i'm gonna work i'm gonna find a way to make it happen that i i'm gonna put every all the resources i have to it but I was patient. I wasn't like, I got to have her, I got to have her now. I was I was not saving myself waiting. I was, even then, it was not like on some, I'm getting to know you so that I can date you. It was just, we really enjoyed getting to know each other while we were living our separate lives. No, me knowing I had feelings, there was something real there, but I didn't put it on the forefront. Yeah. A lot of it was, I had a lot... I had a lot of, um, what's the word, um, social anxiety about it, like fear of rejection. So like, I didn't even want to come out and say how I felt because I didn't want her to reject me. So I was like, I'd rather just be friends for right now and just let it keep How going. important was that, Jennifer, let me ask you, Jennifer, how important was that foundation, those, those, that year of just being friends, how important has that been to, when you look back on it, the foundation of what y'all built today? Uh, everything. Cause like, you know, it's, I, uh, I don't struggle anymore. I should say to know who to put first in my, like in my priorities, like as far as I go, I come first and then Jeff and then the kids, because 
I know where my relief and joy comes from and it's that order, right? It, it's because he, we always laughed a whole lot when we were together. We always had such an alignment of like things that we liked and thought were important, goals that we had in life, where we saw ourselves, what we thought we would accomplish individually, um, just our visions for our life individually as adults. Um, it was aligned through the friendship. Like I, I knew what he was about because he wasn't dating me. He was like trying to, we were just talking about stuff he was trying to do, you know, giving each other advice. And he had no reason to like make stuff up. Like a, you know, like a boyfriend might try to play something up or a dude you go on a date with might try to play up something like it wasn't, but we didn't have to put on airs. So we really got to know each other. I would say that's something that's carried till today yeah. because like, I never, like, I, I would say from day one, I showed up as my authentic self because it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to get, get something. Except for your Indian you know. food thing, you lied. Well, no, I didn't, that was real. I was trying to think, out, I was trying to be out open. Uh. I hear front for curry. I hear front for a little piece of curry. Oh, it was like she wanted to go eat Indian food. I didn't eat yeah. Indian food. I didn't know anything about Indian food. I was like, uh, yeah, I'll go eat Indian food. <laughs> what gas? Like what? I was just <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, okay, I've tried a few things. I don't really feel Indian food like that. But it was the way. So eventually, she asked like I'm later like, in our relationship, and I was like, I don't really like Indian food. Like and I was that. like, yeah. she said, what do you mean? Like we bonded over Indian. But, but um, uh, let me let, no, let me jump in real quick because. Yep. I just want to say that because um, you hit on something when you said you showed up as your authentic. That was one of my next questions is um, first I wanted to know how how authentic you both came into the relationship for one. And then tell me how much did that environment that y'all love was birthed in have to do with that? Or is that just who y'all are anyway? I kind of think it's who we were yeah. anyway, because Howard, you can be anybody, right? You leave home, you can recreate. So many people go to Howard and they become like nothing that they were back home. Mm -hmm. They put on a whole persona, but we were, I mean, I think we were whoever we wanted to be mm -hmm. consistently. So we didn't like flip flop to fit whatever we thought the other person needed. Um, cause we already knew we fit together and complemented each other well from the friendship side. Yeah. Makes sense. Taven acting up that she got out there. So I know what you mean. It's similar. Um, for me, it was never, so like I was finding myself at Howard. Um, but okay. there was some consistent core, like core parts of me that, now, when I look back, I realize how consistent they've been in my life. Mm -hmm. But like, even where we met, we met bonding over activism. Like we were on a bus trip to Florida to canvas voters in Florida. This was right after Bush Gore. Um, so that's where we met. It was, I was, I went to an NAACP meeting on campus. One of those girls I told you was a good friend of mine who we used to kick it hard. She was a president of the NAACP. So she was like, hey, you should come on this bus trip. We're hosting it. It's free, blah, blah, blah. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going on a free bus trip. Like, yeah, yeah I'm doing it. Florida, um, Daytona Beach. So 
It was, so we're out, like, our first time together, we're out walking around the neighborhood canvassing, passing out voter education mm -hmm. materials, running from dogs. Um, yeah. You know, oh. it's, so we, it's, met, so yeah. we met on common ground. It's just like, you know, in um, Coming to America, where he's like, go to the library, there's good women's there. And yeah. All that. You know, we, we met volunteering for the mm -hmm. black community, you okay. know, in a completely black setting. So. so that was always like underlying core. And yeah. even I remember like one of my little strategic things where I wanted to run into, we were at, we did a march down to the Supreme Court, slept on the steps of the, on the sidewalk in front of the Supreme Court overnight. I forgot, I think it was an affirmative action case that was yeah. being heard. Yeah. And then the next day, I think I left, I had to go to class. So I left and I had like her blanket and a few things in my backpack. So of course I went to, later that week, I went to study at the library that was near her dorm so that when I was done studying, I could call her to say, Hey, I have your blanket. Let me give it back to you. Um, you know, little things like you that. You got a lot of these uh, little stories, Jeff. I was meaning to tell you, this is about the fifth I, one you done told. Strategy, well, you, brother. Strategy. Yeah. You was, you was running more game than, 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 than the coach. Strategy, uh, but, but being real, man, there's real, real, real honesty, vulnerability. I liked her. I liked being around her. I was looking for any excuse I could to go be next to her. So, um, it was more of that being hundred percent honest than it was like game. Okay. It, but I, I get that that was probably my own style of game. But um, I hear you. It was but it was genuine. It, wasn't like it was like oh, I, can wow. just, I get to see her. I'm gonna be my boy would always call me out. He'd always be yeah. like, you know you're going to the health sciences library because yeah. you know it's an annex. It's like, go study in the library closer to you. I'm like, no, I'm going to that library. It's the nice one. You know, so. Yeah. Take, <laughs> um, take, I was just going to say, like, how did y'all balance, like, your, like, because I know y'all were friends first. So how did y'all balance you being your friendships out of your, like, relationship, your actual relationship, and then school? Because I know, like, how are, like, once it starts getting into it, it gets hard, like gets hard for it. For it. I, don't, I don't know how balanced we were because I had like a really close group of friends my freshman year and still are very close to them. They're my sisters. Um, but once we started dating, dating, we were like inseparable. inseparable. Like I was in the towers all the time, every day grocery shop, I would go right back to the towers, like after class. I mean, literally we were inseparable to the point where my friends were mad my sophomore year. They were like, you just forgot about us and you didn't kick us to the curb. I'm like, I didn't kick you to the curb. I, you know, it's just like, it was hard because we studied together, we laughed together, we played cards together, we did everything together. like. It was a one-stop shop. I mean, it was really hard to not have a whole lot of fun with Jeff. And I think it was, you know, us being young and in love, we just, we were not balanced. We we made sure we got our work done, but then we went right back to each other. It was a yeah, mess. But, but I would say even with that, the friendship was, all, was always at the forefront. Yeah. Because even during all that time, like, we would, we kicked it hard. Like, we were... We were always friends. It was never too much relationship and not enough friendship because that was mm -hmm. like the foundation of who we were. Yeah. So, and then I think one of the things that really helped us was we we supported each other well. Mm -hmm. So, she was involved with. I think you were. All I know is you were in the student council. 
I wasn't even in the College of Arts and Sciences, but they knew me in that in, in that hall like I was one of them because I would all I was just always there to help. So she might be putting on an event. I'm running errands around D.C., picking up stuff for her, bringing it back um, to where I remember one guy. He's like, dude, like, why are you always here? Don't you have other things to do? And I'm like, yeah, but I took care of all that. So I'm here to support, you know, it, but even I could think of like all nighters being up all night working like I was very. I think I'd already gotten into the honors program by the time I met you. Mm-hmm. But then once I was in the honors program in the School of Business, the intensity level was insane. So, mm-hmm. like, I was hardcore when it came to studying. I would be up. I didn't care if I had to study all night. I'd study till the sun came up. Because to me, there was nothing more important than getting that A because I had, I always, in the back of my mind, was if I don't keep this perfect GPA, I'm not going to have the scholarship mm-hmm. and I won't be able to stay. So I always had, like, I have to be able to stay, so I have to keep on working. Um, But we fed off of each other with that. She helped me write papers. I was horrible at writing papers. She would help me write papers. She'd read them and be like, this is, this this ain't, this ain't going to get it. I've had that professor that's not going to do it. I'd be like, I don't know how to write. Like, I need help. And she would help me with that. So we we, we helped each other in so many places. And that carries till today. Team team from the beginning. Our marriage is we're a team. Like, what was the hardest challenge that y'all had to come up, like, overcome together? I would say the cultural. Cultural. Ooh, that was my next question. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead with that. Speak on it. Because it it affects every part of your life. So, me being in Jamaican, we didn't talk about anything in my house. Ooh. I never got sex talk. I never talked about my feelings. I never challenged. Like, our kids will say, Dad, what you just said really hurt my feelings. I don't mm-hmm. like the way you said it to me. And I have to go be accountable to that. I didn't have, I told my mom I didn't like something. I got slapped. I never forget. I, I have rights, you know, Mom. I got, I remember feeling the hand and getting up off the ground. So, like, for me, if, let's say Jennifer's doing something I didn't like, I didn't speak. I never spoke up about it. It would just come out in my actions, like my, my frustration or whatever, the, rather than speaking on and airing it and communicating about the problem, it would just present as Jeff's just being an asshole today, you know, and it's why are you treat me like this, Jeff? It's like, well, you did this the other day. And she's like, well, why the hell didn't you tell me? I just didn't know how to do that till this day. It's a struggle, but I've learned how. So I just, did she neuro nature you, man? She, listen, she, Listen, she taught me how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I definitely see that parallel. I knew it was a reason. Well, and I, and I, for us, it was like the cultural difference of, of marriage. Because I, I found that in Jeff's family, it was marriage is permanent in a way that the quality is irrelevant quality of the marriage is irrelevant we stay in marriage like you live in england i'm in jamaica or america for the so did you find years. that out through him or through interacting with his family both okay both. So it was through the way that he kind of um well that was much later right when i started knowing his family but like even from the beginning the inability to like 
feel comfortable with his feelings and expressing them openly or like preferences, it bothered me. And I think he thought I wanted that. And I was like, that's not what I want. You know, like, I don't want you to go along with what I'm saying. I don't want you to not tell me, you know, things that are important to you just to like go along with me. Uh, that's not interesting to me, you know? So that was a cultural rift that we had to repair. That came from, again, the, you got a choice. Do what I say to do, you know? So yeah. it became, Similar to what Taylor was saying, almost like a fear of, shit, I'm gonna just go with what you say because I don't want to deal with the other side of it because that's what that's what it is. And, uh, as, no, I'm telling you, Jamaicans, we, we don't. I talk to my cousin a lot about it, and, and even my siblings, and like we, we are taught to not communicate. And like now, I couldn't be different now. Couldn't be more different now as a parent and as a husband even. Um, mm -hmm. But there was a time when. It wasn't only that I was, vic I'm gonna say victim to all these things. I believed in it. Like it, similar to my, my ancient old views mm -hmm. on homosexuality. Yeah. I was like programmed where you, you would say something and I would just repeat like, bad, bad, this, and that, 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 that. And I'm like, one time Jennifer was like, why, like, why are you doing that? Like, what do you actually feel? And it took me saying, hearing that and being like, you know what? Yeah. like. People are people. Why am I right. just following this? Because it's the Caribbean way to be. It's to be homophobic. And there was a shift for me at that moment when she said it because it was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't have to be this robot person who's having this identity that's not necessarily mine. You know, I'm, I'm saying I identify so much being a Jamaican. I got to be Jamaican through and through and through. Well, there's a lot of now. You want to talk about toxic masculinity? just go talk to a Jamaican man who's still living the life. Talk to one of my uncles, you know, like mm -hmm. seriously. I see a lot of couples yeah. and the number one thing that I see when I'm, when I'm dealing with couples is our number one, uh, conflict I know I is, um, forgiveness and, um, you know, conflict resolution. So I want to know from y'all, um, how do you resolve conflict in your marriage? Uh, I think we learned a long time ago to compromise in a direction that doesn't like inconvenience, like deeply inconvenience ourselves. Mm -hmm. Maybe inconvenience is the wrong word, but doesn't like undermine our needs, but still moves us in the direction of like joy. So we learned a long time ago to communicate in a way that, you know, at our best, we communicate in a way that is not like uh, hyper emotional, but more like um, problem solving. Problem almost. solving, yeah. yeah. Like focus on like what really happened, like what's actually the like issue at hand. Yeah and try to see past the emotions. Cause you can get, you know, a person can be angry about something, but the issue is not like the anger. It's the, it's what you said, okay. or it's, your, you know. Your attitude about the issue. Yeah, yeah, so we. we well, I would say we've gotten good today, where we are today. We're very good at um, hearing each other mm -hmm. and seeing each other's perspective. Um, there was a flip at some point, it was after we got married 
we were having an argument about something or so, I don't remember the specifics. All I know is there was this realization. I think I said it. I said, I don't, I don't, we shouldn't be fight arguing to win. We've got to be arguing to solve each other's issues mm -hmm. rather than I'm just trying to win this argument. So I'm saying everything I can to make you wrong and me right. There was a point where we realized that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We have to argue. If it's going to get to a level of argument, then it has to be to address each other's issues. So if she's telling me it hurt, it's hurtful, Jeff, when you do X, Y, Z, then it is no use for me to keep saying, well, I didn't mean, mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. It's more like, let me hear what you're saying and address that versus what I want, like this message I want to get across. And that's a constant battle for me of like, you have to like, we have to learn to shut off the defensiveness. Like the ego. The ego, and then yeah. just approach an argument from, all right, what is she really saying to me yeah. here? Like, what is hurtful here? Yeah. And, and then the biggest part, understanding who we are as individuals. So you talk to me about something, I'm generally gonna like pretty quickly have the conversation of seeing it, hearing it, and kind of, but I can't process it quickly. So I'll acknowledge you quickly, but I'll say, I need time to process it. But I'll acknowledge, okay, I see where you're coming from, but I just gotta process that. Jennifer has, she, she goes about it in her own way where, you know, conversation goes one way the first time and then we walk away from it. When we come back, it's a totally different conversation. Um, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm dancing around it. All, all I'm trying to say is we, we've learned that we each process differently and we each have different buttons and triggers and we just do our best to stay away from those while still being true to addressing whatever our in, the actual issue is. I get so like when we get into if we get into a like a disagreement and I say if because usually we can see something happening like a consistent issue mm -hmm. like maybe working long hours or I've been working long hours so we haven't had quality time together and so it's starting to play into like little bickering things we literally are pretty good at being like you know what the problem is we ain't spend no time together like we haven't you know, we we've been missing out. We just been going, 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 and and like, this is a this is an unnecessary argument to even have because we both know neither one of us needs this. Yeah. But we don't even have. We all usually don't even end up like having the rest of that conversation. Let it, it go. And we'll, or we'll even say like, is there more that needs to be said? And then he'll say no, or he'll ask me, is there more that needs to be said? No. All right, that's it. Like that's it. But you know, in the situations where we do um like get into it it's very much like a i know your love language i know like i know that there's a absence here that there's something that's going on and let me like really speak directly to that and like what i know what i know that is missing here and then you tell me if i'm wrong no that's absolutely yeah. right i mean and here's the last part on it we have we have to remind each other of it constantly because we're not First of all, we've, we have acknowledged at some point along this way that we ain't perfect. <laughs> like, as much as we try to do right, I'm going to mess up, she's going to mess up. We've been blessed that our mess-ups are at a level that's manageable. Um, you know, but benefit of the doubt. So when you had, you had said the thing of the bad advice you've gotten was choose your battles. 
on the flip side of it, I would say the best advice we ever gotten was, I believe it was a therapist who told us this? I don't remember. Give each other the benefit of the doubt. So I know, like deep down, no matter what she might say to me that hurts my feelings or makes me upset, she doesn't hold like ill will toward me. So in my best mindset, I can think, you know what? I don't, no matter how it came out, I know she don't mean it like that. As much as it hurts. That's your teammate at the hurts, end of the day. That's your teammate. But she's on my team. Yeah. And sometimes she has to remind me. Sometimes I have to remind her. But that core belief is how I think we're able to process through things and actually come out on the other side fine. Because when she tells me, I didn't mean such and such. Like, you know, I didn't, you know, I would never. I can accept it and I can believe mm -hmm. it. Versus having to... To something you said earlier, Taylor, like worrying about there always being an ulterior motive or not really knowing what's really there. I know she ain't got no ulterior motives with me, and I don't have any with her. I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm not trying to tell her something that's not real. If I'm saying I did it for this reason, that's the reason I did it. And it's never like... Uh, I got to find you out. Like, yeah, you know, like we're not going to keep going to like, no, I know you meant to hurt me. Like yeah, It's going to be like, I believe you. It even hurt. If, even it was if hurtful, I'm still hurt by how you said yeah. that thing, like, I believe that you didn't mean it. And for me, my other thing is I hate disappointing Jeff. Like, he's legitimately, like, my most favorite person in the world. So my usual first reaction to him being, like, I'm upset is I'm, like, defensive because I'm like, uh, I don't... I don't want you to be upset with me or disappointed. Like, I don't want to disappoint you specifically. And so that's where he was like, oh, we have to come back to it. Because the whole first conversation, I'm usually just like hurt. I'm sad. I'm disappointed mm -hmm. in myself because I didn't want to hurt him or like, you know, like dis whatever the but, thing and, is. But whatever similar to my is. way, like it affects your ability to process, which is why then you come back to it, you're processing it fine. Yeah. And then benefit of the doubt is there and all that. So we have these core things that I think yeah. carry us. And as I talked about how when I was at Howard, I was my authentic self. As an adult in this stage of my life, I didn't really know what that was, but now I'm learning what it is and I love it. So, you know, it's been, I've looked to Jennifer as a model for a lot of it. There was a point in her life a few years back where she made a conscious decision. I'm going out to go meet people. I'm not just gonna rely on who I know. I'm gonna be proactive about it. Right. She kept telling me to do it. I was like, I don't, I me, I'm not doing that. Right. Hell no. That's not what I do. I even would try to like she, connect him with other yeah. men. Like, why don't you go that? and call no, so and so that. or call so and so? But the minute I, I said, you know what, I have to because I want X Y Z in my life. It um it changed, and I and I will tell you that my last point on it, even that in itself takes me all the way back to growing up in this Jamaican household where, because there weren't a lot of Jamaicans around, we didn't. Like, the Henrys didn't have a Corleys to go hang out with or Anya Bueles to go hang out with. We hung out with the other Henrys who lived down the street because they were the cousins who were also Jamaican. So yeah. my friends were my cousins. My best friend outside of Jennifer is my cousin. Yeah. You know, she we grew up same age. We high school together, college together. Mm -hmm. um, she's my best friend outside of Jennifer. But those were my friends, was my family. Um, so I've had to learn how to be vulnerable enough to go out and make friendships where you can choose to not be my friend. Because my cousin, she, she don't get to choose not to be my friend. Yeah. So that, 
a lot for me to learn. And I'm every day, you know, I'm learning to be more comfortable in my um, more learning to be more comfortable outside of my comfort zone. Well, you definitely perfectly, but I didn't get. I do want to know Jennifer because, like I said, I watch you actively try, and you look sometimes uncomfortable trying to be vulnerable, but you go and do it. So I wonder how important it is for you to get out and do the same, be, be more vulnerable outside of your marriage. Um, I have this thing, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a complication, but also like, I guess in some ways a gift in growing up um, with Jeff, which is I feel like I'm constantly being redefined like I get comfortable in a in a part of who I am and then something dramatic happens and I'm redefined. If it wasn't from getting married to changing my name to becoming a mom one time, then two times, and then career changes and stuff. So I feel like I'm always being forced into like a vulnerable state, even if I don't choose it. And so it's just about like finding peace um, and finding my authenticity in the vulnerability, whether it's an optional vulnerability or a force of vulnerability. Um, Cause like, you know, being a, becoming a mother, like you physically become vulnerable to like a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Like strangers run up on you and touch your body. Doctors got their hands all over the place. You're not supposed to care, you know, because you're a vessel. So there's all of these, you know, times in a woman's life where I think you are choosing to be vulnerable you just are whether it's how you dress and people perceive and define you based on how much cleavage you show in or leg you know like vulnerability is a part of womanhood right. and it's not always a choice so I have always like I mean my high school experience extremely vulnerable extremely vulnerable not my choice like I didn't want to be that type of vulnerable but here I am you know so I feel like I've just always existed in some level of vulnerability some I could opt out of, some I couldn't. And if anything, I feel like the way that my marriage plays into that vulnerability is like stability. Like I know, I know what I have here. I know who he is. I know who I am with him. Like even through the shifts and stuff that, that has been like a real consistency for mm -hmm. me. Uh, and like even I mean, we're, we're talking grown things, like even finding like, you know, your body changes over time. We've been together since we were 19. I've known him since I was 19. Everything is different about me since 19. The way I wear my hair, what I even talk about, music I listen to, how I dress, like everything is different. Mm -hmm. But we have managed to like grow, grow together, together individually. Right. Like, we we're just like constantly doing this with some overlapping here and there, but like always together. So um, I feel like the way that the marriage plays into that in this relationship is like, this is a safe space for me in the right way because it doesn't hold me back. It's not like a confining space. It's a safe space for me to be free and exploring all those different ways that I've been forced or choose to be vulnerable. Hmm. Taylor? anything else it's kind of like completely opposite but um since it's going to be my first homecoming this year i was just going to ask y'all how it would go because last year we had homecoming but it was like hybrid like 
it wasn't really the full experience. There's no parade. There's no nothing. I, I will give you advice as a first homecoming because I didn't do my first one right. Get out there and do it all. Like, oh, yeah. I chose to do this thing where there was an opportunity. I don't know. I was such, and such in this hustle mind state. <laughs> there was this opportunity to stay up all night on the Friday night of homecoming, helping the balloon crew put up all the balloons around where the parade was going to be and all this stuff. You got paid for it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. But I didn't go out. I didn't go hang out and party. I didn't go. I went to the game, but I didn't go to the, back then we didn't have the tailgate. But I just didn't fully absorb it. I went to a lot of the events. My advice, do as much as you can do. Okay. Even if you're not a partying person, get out there and just try and make the best of it because yeah. well, for one, you already lost one year. You ain't. You only get four homecomings. You already lost one. Yeah. Um, I say you only get four. To me, homecoming was better as an you alum than it was as a student. have one uh, or me, two left. I, I different social you were different because you were you, you're in a Greek organization. I was fine on my own, but yeah, no, I mean, but girls, they've been, uh, get your all your schoolwork done. A lot of the professors back in the day would be like, "I'm not competing with all that noise, so you guys can get out. Like you can go. Others would hold you in class during DMX performing outside. You know, no, like, and I would um, tell you like. Go all the way off, like dress the fool, like dress down. You know what I mean? Like do do the very most. Like that's yeah. always been my homecoming thing. Like I I would just do the absolute most, um, because it's like it's black excellence on parade, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. Like it's black excellence on parade and. So I would just get into everything mm-hmm. I could, you know, safely. And don't but take going to the game. Oh, yeah. Games. I went to the game. Go to the game. Go to the game. I'm a sports person, so okay. I definitely have yeah. to. Parties. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Nah, the, the parties, the dressing up. I mean, I love it. Like, I'm all about the pageantry. So. And you were good about, you were very good about anytime there was an opportunity for, like, old heads would be around you absorbed so much from from mm-hmm. older people who came back i didn't necessarily do as much of but a lot of times i remember dick gregory was there one year during homecoming i saw him walk in the door i think i, I just read his book i was like hey baby and he said it right back to me like something like that um but you know but they'll go and like do these lectures that yes. people they kind of fly mm-hmm. under the radar you don't know that they're happening so absorb all of that but and it's yeah. not just homecoming. That's not, it's but just that's year power. round. But during live it like try and immerse yourself in it because a lot of the people I I hear I, I meet people here and there. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Drop us. We can see. That's my mom. Oh. My bad. Oh, that was, was my calling. mom. I thought this thing dropped. Call I meet in. people here and there who say, ah, like my Howard experience was so so. And they do. But when we dig into it on why, it's a lot of them it's because they went to class. And did their job and that was it and they didn't really get out there and get into the social stuff the so. or the the campus organizations crucial the i mean not even just greek like Anything. just sampling out i mean my freshman year i will say i met these two women my freshman year in line to get fried chicken and they were <laughs> it was me and my best friend and these women were bad Do you understand what i'm saying these women were bad like Body 10, outfit 10, hair 10, 
I mean, name brand, head to toe, hair, everything. And they were probably in their, my guess now would be in their mid to late 20s. But just, like, me and my best friend were behind them talking about them saying, look at her bag, her shoes, her hair, like, and not on some, like, peacock stuff. They were just there. That's just how they carried themselves. And they turned around. And, at, yeah, yeah, some people do peacock. Some people be like, you be just, like peacock. or you can just, you know, but they were not peacock and they were just them. And they turned around to me and my best friend. They were like, are y'all freshmen? And, of course, we were, like, excited that they were talking. I was like, oh, yes, you know, we are. And they were like, we have advice for you. I know you didn't ask it for us, um, but we graduated from here a few years ago. And our advice to you is find your husband here. Like, you didn't ask me. I don't know anything about you. But I'm telling you, find your husband here because I'm a doctor. She's a doctor. You know, we out here in these streets dating. is so complicated. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, like, volume of black men that you have here to befriend and to get to know and to date is never going to be the same density like do not squander this don't leave here without your man it didn't change like how i thought i was going to date like i ran from jeff and how i felt about him it wasn't like some like we're together forever and i'm excited like i felt like i was too young and like i didn't you know i I, even during the when we were serious in our early part of our relationship yeah i didn't want to tell people i was like i don't know because i knew it was a like a i knew that i wasn't going to break up with him i knew that this was not a breakup situation so i wasn't really necessarily like geeked up even though those women told me like don't leave here without your husband but i took that seriously like lightly seriously i I, you know somebody taking the time to say that to me meant something to me um some older black women who i see had their ish together i would have never known that like leaving howard looking like they look you know look like models they were like five ten tall gorgeous legs for days just i would have never thought like that they would have a struggle you know, I think that their profile's mine, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. You know, then I was yeah. an AKA. I was just a yeah. freshman. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I absolutely valued them taking the time to be a big sister to us and to say that because they were absolutely right. I have seen, like, how long it takes my friends and my sister friends to, like, even gain the trust to, to like, be exclusive with it's them outside. after how. I will give you a, a small piece mm-hmm. of advice based on something you said earlier. Um, you have to figure out where your threshold is, but don't shut these guys down thinking that uh-uh. thinking that it's ulterior motives all the time. Because, I, like, I could have come off mm-hmm. come off as an ulterior motive, but I truly didn't have one. But it could have easily come off. That I mean, way. you did have. But I but did, it wasn't but it bad. wasn't like sex. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I'm trying to hit this and move on it was like mm-hmm. i like her and that's my ulterior motives i was trying to take it somewhere but like don't stereotype am, don't stereotype that they all just want you have how to tough could it have been would it have been you think if you were the female in the caribbean trying to experience what howard Ooh. had to you know hard because i know what carib caribbean females see growing up yeah so like you know my, my I, I was blessed like my my mom and dad have only been with my mom as far as i know it's only ever been my mom and dad and they had a i wouldn't say their marriage was perfect what i saw i thought was perfect but they had you know hosts of communication and those types of issues 
but I never, my dad wasn't a typical Jamaican man who has three, you know, about three average who are acknowledged and it's known that, mm-hmm. oh, you're my public wife, but I also have these women. So I didn't grow up with it. So that's not who I am, who I was. But I know my cousins, I have a cousin in Jamaica. She lives there now. About 10 years ago, me and my boys went down to Jamaica for a, a, a trip and we were hanging out with her and she was, I was riding the car with her and she's, her boyfriend drives by and she looks and she goes, okay, he better not have another girl in the car. So I was like, what, what do you mean? And she goes, well, he has other women, but I'm the only one he's allowed to be in public with. So as long as that is consistent, I'm good. So I'm like, you know, it ain't like that in the States, right? And she's like, yeah, but that's the way it is here. And that's just the way we live. I know that's where you come from, right? Because that's just the way it, it's toxic as hell in the Caribbean. Um, but but don't, give don't. them a chance because yeah. you could miss out on... You, you might miss out on an opportunity you don't know is right in front of you. And then that opportunity might just be meeting somebody that becomes a lifelong friend. You know? Yeah. So don't... Don't, and I'm and some dudes that, are really yeah. honest. Like I remember a dude that I thought I was friends with, and he was like, "Yo, like you calling me on the phone. I know you're not gonna ever let me hit. I'm not trying to be your friend." And I was like, "Oh, well, you know, I appreciate your honesty. This will be our last time on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to be right." So some dudes will be honest with you and be like, "No, I'm, you know, I'm trying to hit, but." Honestly, I wouldn't even approach it with that much depth. Like, just get to know More and put yourself true. out there. And I also heard you say earlier, you don't, you're kind of a homebody. You're too young. You're too young to be a homebody because yeah. you ain't even got no home that you own, first of all. You, <laughs> you, you're too young. Like, get, get yourself out. out of your home. You know what I mean? And, and go and just explore. Even if you're doing stuff by yourself. Like, I went mm-hmm. on the trip by myself is how I met Jeff. You know, I met other people on that trip as well. Like, people that I only knew because of going on that trip. So I, I encourage you to take advantage of just have a more like yes mindset about things. Like if an opportunity presents and it pushes you and it's safe, do it. Do it. You're not going to regret it. You'll, If nothing else, you'll learn something more about yourself. Even if you don't meet more people, you'll meet a better, like a more of yourself, you know, because you did something. You find who you are, really, you do. Because you don't have, like, when you leave, you don't have the same time that you have. When you get a job, your time is demanded, of uh, your time requirements are demanded by something else that you can't always say no to. But right now, you have an extremely flexible yes. Like and you lose the flexible, you lose the abundance of black girls. Oh, yeah. So I would say, Looking at the world now, like we all, we hear about, Jennifer reads a lot of different social media stuff about people dating. Mm-hmm. We hear, she will read it to me. I'm like, it's like that in these streets? It's like, it's rough. I'm not saying, I don't want to scare you, but I'm saying you're still there. You're only a mm-hmm. sophomore with junior credits. You have a lot of time. Yeah. Just be yeah, open, be open, be it's, open. It's, no, it's nothing. You can't, yeah, like open. virtual dating and stuff, you get to... There's only so much you learn about somebody. In person, on campus, you get to learn who his friends are, who they not, like what clubs he's in. It's intimacy just by observation that you get to learn about people that you will absolutely lose when you get out into the work world and the post-Howard world. So take advantage of the intimacy of getting to know somebody like for who they really are. They can only hide so much at Howard because you really 
when you when they not thinking you watching, you watching, you can see them easily. Only y'all are at parties. You see what they're about and what they're not about. So use that and don't, you know, don't squander this time because you'll never get these Howard years back. Even if you don't leave there with a partner, you leave there with better versions of yourself um, that you learn only through putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, bringing it full circle. So like be vulnerable, do that, put yourself out there because it's no better time than right now. It's only gonna, you know, it's it's the greatest time ever to be vulnerable because there's really not a lot of stakes on it. Really is. That's true. Now that I'm thinking.